Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. Good morning. We're happy to see everybody here today. And I'm especially happy because uh, Catherine and my daughter Amy are here. And uh, they don't often get here, so it's a real privilege to have them with us. Amy's just back from Indonesia, and uh, she's a teacher, and she's teaching online now. So if you need any help with the English language, talk to her. <laughs> anyway, it's nice to have you here, Amy and Catherine. Anybody else that I don't know? No, I think that's all of our game. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Tom to come and uh, do the announcements. We got a really amazing announcement that's uh, that was just happened this Wednesday, and so I'm going to ask Tom to do the rest. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, again, I can't see, but uh, yeah, I should. Uh, this coming Friday, we have a big sale. Provide and I don't know, are you having yard sale too or just, or just the basic? Just the basic. Okay. And Sunday, August the 4th, is our regular services both here and at Elton. Uh, the 25th of August is Snow Road's anniversary. September 8th is Fiddler's Sunday here, and October 6th is our fall supper. Uh, as far as other announcements, I believe Hazel had a grandchild this Wednesday as well as Philip is alluding to. So congratulations to uh, Our condolences to Gary Scrofano on the passing of his father about a couple of weeks ago, I think. But, um, and such. I know we have one birthday today. We have two. Tristan Royce is today. Is somebody else's today? Uh, Eric. Oh, Eric. But it's not till Wednesday, so it's a Well, it's still a week before. <laughs> That's important, Eric. Any other birthdays?
Now tell us the details, Hazel, of the baby. Name? Name? There you go. Eight pounds, 15 ounces. That's a good size. Healthy. Wonderful. I've asked Joel if he'll help me uh, sing. The, the, no, no, we're not going to do it yet, but we've got to call to worship first. And that's what we'll do. But it's always good to celebrate a life. And I apologize. I was supposed to have a rose here and promised I would. And as you can see, it's not here. So I'll make sure that I deliver it um, to Elizabeth, uh, to uh, Hazel. So thank you very much. Our call to worship is, uh, is in your bulletin. And at the very end, I've got, I've got the word no, it should be now. Okay, so you can stroke out the K if you have a pencil or pen around. And if you don't, well, try and remember. I'm going to stroke mine out right now. Okay, let's, let's together uh, uh, take part in the call to worship. Thank you. Everything in me says thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Finish what you have started in me. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your goodness to us. You are indeed greatly to be praised. And we come together as a people of God thinking about all that we have to give thanks for. And we offer our adoration and praise and thanksgiving to you today. We ask, Lord, that you be with us. Lord, we know that we can come to you and know that you will forgive our sins. And so we ask now that you would forgive us our sins. We ask now that you be part of everything in the service. And that all would bring glory to you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. We have come into this house. It's uh, the insert in your bulletin. And I'm going to ask Joel to give me a hand on this. Uh, because it helps to have an extra voice. And uh, since he knows it, that even makes it better. All right. All right. Let's stand together, shall we? Thank you. 
Now, you, uh, I, I get that you probably don't know this song, number 408, but there's some of you who might. I will call upon the Lord. How many know it? A few. All right. Well, then we're going to learn. I guess I'm going to have to sing a solo. Maybe I should ask Joel to come and join me to help me. But it's, it's really a very simple little course, and uh, uh, Lynn is going to give me the starting uh, note, and then we're going to, I'm going to sing it through so that you get a gist of how it goes, okay? I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. Isn't that a nice piece? Let's try it again. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be from my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to Shall I be safe from mine enemies? The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. That's another one to take home with you. Thank you, Linda. Yes, we're to keep the inserts, leave the inserts here. You can take the bullet home with you. But uh, leave the inserts when you, when you go. All right. Um, I'm glad there are kids here because it makes the service, the sermon. Uh, I had a tough time, you know, when you have all, all adults. They're not as bright as kids. So I need kids to help me with this story. So we're going to say, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Number uh, 655. Can all the kids come and join me?
about talking about when I talk about praying. Do you pray? When? When do you pray? All the time. A dead time. Every meal. Right. That's a good thing to do. Do we all pray? What about you? Every single day, a dead cut. A dead cut. Oh, what, are you, what are you saying when you pray? Because you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? It says that unless we become like little children, we don't get any help. So you're going to teach us something. You're going to teach us what we should say in prayer when we pray, when we talk to God. What should we say? Nothing? Say something. What do you say when you pray? Dear God. Dear God. Yeah. You start off with dear God. Or dear Father. Or whatever. Dear, dear Lord. Yes. That's good. You're off to a great start. Now, what else do you talk to God about? You thank God for the day. Yeah. You thank you for this meal. Yeah. You've got it. We're learning a lot from you. Before you go to bed, what do you say? What do you, what, what do you tell God? Talk to God about it. You don't remember? You, you, you pray for your brother? Mostly. What about mom and dad? Okay. <laughs> so no, I'll let you don't pray for dad all the time. No, no. <laughs> uh, what, what else do you pray for? Do you, you ever say, God, I need something? Do oh. you, you say that? I need something. Do you ever say that? I need something. Like you might need a new pair of shoes, a new pair of socks, no? No, that's right. Okay. So what, what else might you ask God about? Are you having trouble at school? Maybe you're having trouble with something at school. Does anybody have trouble with something at school? Pretty good life. Well, you know, we should, we should when we talk to them, we should talk to them like we talk to our best friend. What do you say to your best friend? What are some of the things you say to your best friend? Nothing. Well, you say something. You talk nonstop with your best friend, I bet you. Eric, you talk to God at all? Sometimes. And, and what are some of the things you say? You, have drunk, you, have, you don't have trouble with any subjects, do you? Kind of. Okay, I got that. I have trouble with math. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. So you don't have to pray about that. What, what? Math is easy. Yeah, I know. So what do you, what do you ever ask? And you ever ask God for help before a test? You ever say, Jesus said, this test, I need to get a good mark? No? Okay. Why? I'll tell you, I'm impressed. Pray for anything. Pardon? Pray for anything. Yeah. I think you talk to God more than you're saying. Because, you know, I know kids, and I know when I was a kid, I used to ask them all kinds of stuff. Like, 
we get along with the bully? Mm -hmm. Anybody do that? You ever ask the doctor against <coughs> the bully? I had a really bad bully, and he he was really big, and I wasn't as skinny as a red. I didn't have an ounce of fat on me anywhere back then. It's all changed now. And uh, so I prayed for somebody who was getting in trouble. And you know, we can do that. The fact is that we can talk to God about anything. Our troubles, our pain. Maybe you hurt your leg and you got a big scab on it. Remember that happened more than once. And, and I used to say, God, it really hurts. Well, we can do that. And we need to talk to God every day. We need to talk to Him about everything. Because He will help us to live our lives. You know what? He can walk around all the He's a king. Anyway, we're going to have prayer. We're going to talk to God ourselves. And, and we're going to ask Him to be with you when you go down to the church. Okay? Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for our kids. They are such a blessing. We ask you, Lord, to be with them the children's church and with their teachers. And uh, most of all, Lord, I pray that they learn a little more about you. Thank you. You can head off. Don't forget your shoes. <laughs> oh, thank God for kids. They can teach us so much. Like, isn't that a wonderful thing? You come to church and take off your shoes and rest. Does anybody do that? There are Sundays when I wish I could, but I don't. Uh, anyway, we will uh, together uh, uh, join in the prayer before the message as we listen to God's word. Let's say it together. Today, O oh God, we thank you for this week. We pray that you will help us to pray for and with one another. Give us the strength and grace to talk with you daily with sensibility, confidently, so that our efforts will bring many friends and neighbors to you. Amen. I'm going to ask Josh to come and read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you had a has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. 
He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've entitled my message, You Have a Prayer. As we were talking to the kids, they, it is such fun to interact with these children because they're, they're fun. And uh, they come up with answers that you're kind of surprised at and some that you kind of can't believe and others, and that's what the beauty of a child is. They just tell it like it is. And you know, I I think of um, I think of prayer, and the fact is that it is it is supposed to be a part of who we are. Before I get into that subject completely, however, I uh, I don't know about you, but I have found that uh, when I reached sixty, the cards were unmercifully. Uh, uh, Honest, I guess that's the word. Especially my, my close friends. So I got on one. Confound your enemies. Amaze your friends. Blow out all the candles. Somebody wrote, I wish I could be with you on your birthday, but I'll be watching the glow in the skies and thinking of you as you blow out those candles. One is with Garfield, was a Garfield card. He's lying down with one eye open. And he says, you can tell you're getting old when you wake up with an awful morning after feeling and you didn't do anything the night before. <laughs> Happy hour now that you're 60 uh, is a nap in the afternoon. I love naps. I had naps from the time I could remember. Some of them I didn't want to do, but most of them were naps that I really enjoyed. Uh, when you get to be your age, you know that you'll need a sense of humor because you'll have no sense of smell. <laughs> and this morning, uh, as we gather around this topic, uh, I, I often think of this little poem that I got. One ship sails east, one ship sails west, and regardless of how the winds blow, it is the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way we go. Well, that's the way it is with prayer. Prayer should be a part, an everyday part of our very existence when we breathe every day. Because we have to breathe. I, I don't know if anybody's ever been able to hold a breath for a day. But every day as we get up, we should pray. I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. All of you, or most of you, certainly the men, would know Red Green's prayer. Shall we say it together? God, I'm a man. I can change if I have to. Now, th that's really the bottom line to prayer. Isn't it? Because, you see, prayer should change us. Now, I know it's tough for men to pray. Honestly, it's hard for men to pray. I, I was leading a seminar one time. It was a 
men's retreat. And uh, while we were together, I was talking about this whole element of prayer. And I started off with this, with the Red Greens prayer. And one, well, it was a pastor, came to me after the seminar was open, over because I think I spoke four times over the weekend. And he said to me, you know, I, I've been to a lot of retreats and a lot of things about prayer, but never have I ever had it start with Red Green's prayer. And I said, well, you know, it's just the way it is. You've got to understand that we've got to start from somewhere, and that seems to be a good vantage point. Lord, I'm a man. Lord, I'm a woman. I can change if I have to, I guess. <laughs> well, this, this morning I, I want to talk about prayer, not in its, the textual part. I, it doesn't really matter how you pray. Just do it. I guess that's the, you know, the Nike's motto. Just do it. Just do it. Well, um, great guy, Leonard Griffith in the last century wrote, was actually he was the pastor of the famous City Temple Church in London, England. He wrote a book that was insightful, at least for me, entitled Barriers to Christian Belief. And he dealt with real obstacles to Christian faith. And one of them that stood out for me was something called, and we all know about it because it's all happened to us, unanswered prayer. All of us face that. Have you ever prayed and didn't get nothing? Please put up your hand. Come on now, be honest. Yeah, been there, done that, and I bought the t-shirt. I know more about that than anybody else. I, I find it very frustrating to work with God, you know, to be his child. Because I'm never sure how I should pray. And we all, uh, we all uh, uh, kind of wrestle with that. But the fact is, many people have a sense of failure when it comes to prayer. I do. And I know I've read every single... Man, I, I can remember when I was trying to find a, some good things about prayer. And, and Charles Swindoll was the one who was the most honest. He said, I don't, I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm just trying to make like the rest of you. And so it is with prayer. I think, you know, it, 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 uh, I always ask myself the question, so God, how do I talk to you? Like, how do I talk to you? Why should I pray at all? You ever had that happen? I mean, why? Why, Lord? You know, there's no reason to pray. I'm getting my three or four square meals a day. I'm getting everything I need. I have a roof over my head. Not everybody can say this, but I have a good wife, nice kids. You know, I've got all those things. And so I guess I don't have to pray about those things. But maybe I could be praying for their protection. Maybe I could be praying about who they are becoming. Because only God can work with that aspect of our personality. So... When should we pray? Is there a special formula, a special language, a secret language that I should use? The profound theologian Dolly Parton sings a song. 
hello God, and it goes suddenly like this. Hello God, are you out there? Can you hear me? Are you listening anymore? Hello God, if we're still on speaking terms, can you help me like before? I've questioned your existence. My resistance, my resistance leaves me cold. Can't you help me go the distance? Hello God, hello, hello. And she continues. This old world has gone to pieces. Can you fix it? Is there time? Hate and violence just increases. We're so selfish, cruel, and blind. We fight and kill each other in your name, defending you. Do you love some more than others? We're so lost and confused. Hello, God. Are you out there? Can you hear me? No wonder the disciples could go to Jesus and say, Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Charlie Brown, his uh, writer, is quite a, an interesting Christian. But he's kneeling beside his bed and he stops in mid-sentence and he says to Lucy, I think I've made a new theological discovery, a real breakthrough. If you hold your hands upside down, you get the opposite of what you pray for. Uh, I love Charlie Brown. <clears throat> Is there a, a formula, though, to meaningful prayer, meaningful prayer life? Well, first of all, there are three things I just want to draw to your attention from this passage. And the first thing I want you to notice, if you've read the New Testament at all, is that Jesus prayed regularly. And you know, uh, you heard the kids, well, we pray before we go to bed, we pray before we eat. I, that, that's the way I was brought up. But my dad and mom had a, a ritual Every night after we'd had supper, we'd have devotions. Folks, it wasn't like the little devotion that you get in uh, daily bread. And it wasn't even fun for kids because it was in the King James language. But we all had to sit through it. And my mom and dad would each take turns praying. My dad could pray a long prayer. Longer than anybody else. As a matter of fact... We were about to eat, and my dad would lead in prayer. It was long, especially since I was hungry and I was young. The fact is, though, that we can learn to pray regularly. And it's not, it's not language that you normally would use. It's not the language that we use in church. It's language that we need to understand. is like talking to a friend. Jesus prayed regularly, and, and actually the disciples actually found him praying by himself. I don't imagine he was in any position. He could have been sitting, probably kneeled because of the Eastern approach to, uh, to prayer, but not necessarily. And so they stop, and they say, teach us to pray. You know... Everything in life takes time. I mean, all of you who have been born into farmers' homes, please put up your hands. There's a bunch of you. Yes. Or, or maybe you had a, 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 a dad who was an entrepreneur. 
was, that was me. My dad was a barber. And I know uh, I was talking to uh, Gary just before the service, and he tells me that his dad was a baker. Was involved in the baking industry. Had a delicatessen. So he was an entrepreneur as well. And man, the man worked long hours. Well, that's everything that you want to master in life takes what? Time. Time. I don't think, I was, uh, I was asking uh, Gordon this morning, I don't think that, that Gordon learned to be a, a, a farmer because of his own experiences. He had a dad who was a mentor. I, my, I never became a barber, I just want you to know that. Never even looked at the possibility. Although I did work in my father's beauty salon. My sister was the manager of it. And uh, I did do that. But, but the fact is that everything takes time. We're musicians. We had a, we had a young man who became um, our music director at 16. He started actually when he was 15, but he was having a birthday and he was quick to tell me that. He was going to be 16 years old in just two weeks. And, uh, but he became our music director at our church, and, uh, and he was excellent. But the man, young man was, from the time he was four years old, practiced four to five hours per day. And he, when he was facing a competition, he practiced anywhere from seven to ten hours a day. It takes time to become a good musician. Of course, he reached the pinnacle. I remember when he said to his dad, or I heard, I heard from, from Aaron, when he said to his dad, after two years of pre-med, he said, this is not me. I don't want to go into medicine. And his dad said, you know, in the, in the Asian culture, you, you do what your dad tells you you're going to be. And he put in two years in Boston, and he said, I want to be a music director. I've been doing that now. He said, yeah, but there's no money in that. And he said, well, no, not now, but I know that the that right now I'm making about $5,000 a month to lead the music in a fairly large Presbyterian church in Boston. He said, but the Episcopal church has an organist and he makes six digits and I'm going to take his job. And so his dad said, well, up his hand and said, well, I'm not happy with your decision, but go ahead and do it. And today, of course, he is the music director of the largest Episcopal church on the East Coast, or the, yeah, the East Coast of the United States of America. And he makes $126,000 a year U.S. That's always like twice as much as us. He just knew what he wanted to do, and so he, he put in time. The time that was necessary to become an accomplished organist and music director. We need to pray, secondly, with intelligence and common sense. <laughs> Short supply today. Have you noticed? You only have to look at the political scene in our country. and You know that common sense went out with the, well, a long time ago. Pray with intelligence. That doesn't mean you have to have almost holy and reverent God, Lord and Creator. You don't have to say that. God. Jesus. That's all. 
and get into the, I, I appreciate the honesty of the dear God. That was, dear Lord, man, children know how to do it, so we ought to maybe sit down with them a while and check them out. Jesus prayed with a, a common sense, and so can we. Some years ago, Sports Illustrated wrote of a, a ball pitcher who, used, who was being interviewed. He said he prayed that God would help him get each hitter out. And the same writer compared that to a hitter who also prayed, Lord, help me get a hit every time I go up to the plate. And with tongue-in-cheek, the sports writer wrote, how confusing must this be to God when they face each other? And I think I agree. I find it hard. I'm sure God does too. But the third thing, he not only played with intelligence and common sense, not only prayed regularly, but he prayed confidently. And so can we. Now when did, when did the disciples ask, make this request to Jesus? Lord, teach us to pray. Well, it certainly wasn't after a seminar on prayer. And it certainly wasn't on a lecture that Jesus might have given on prayer. No, it was after finding Jesus doing the art of prayer that they asked him to help them to pray, to learn what it was to pray. It's interesting, I came across a, an article, a woman named Barb Bartozzi. B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, I think that's how you say it. She searched the, for the perfect birthday card for her husband, and she found it. Outside it said, sweetheart, you are the answer to my prayers. And inside it said, you're not for what I prayed for exactly, but apparently you're the answer. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought that was quite cute, but it became the motto of the family. So whenever somebody was going through something and all of a sudden they got the answer that they didn't want, one of the members of the family would say, well, it's not exactly what you prayed for, but apparently that's the answer. And you know, it might be a good thing for us to consider as we talk about prayer. Sometimes God doesn't answer in the way we want him to, but for heaven's sakes, Talk to him. Talk to him. Some years ago, as I conclude my message, Leslie Weatherhead told the story of an old Scottish man who was quite ill. One of his members of his congregation and the pastor came to visit the dying man and noticed that there was an empty chair right up close beside the bed. And the old man said, I'm sure you're wondering what this chair is all about. And... Um, and uh, so he said, years ago, my pastor visited me and I kept asking him, I just asked him, pastor, like, what do I do when I pray? Like, should I be kneeling? Should I be uh, raising my hands? Should I be uh, saying certain prayers? I know the Lord's Prayer, but, but how should I talk to God? And he said, pull up a chair close to your bed and put your two hands on it as you're sitting up and talk to the chair as if it was your best friend because he is and so he said to the pastor that was visiting so ever since that time i decided that i would 
speak to the chair and visualize the fact that here was my creator, my God, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus cares about what I say to my Heavenly Father. I've been doing that ever since. Well, he, the daughter called the minister a few days later and said to him, you know, Dad really died peacefully. We were so happy for him. But what was funny and really strange was his hand was on the handle of that empty chair by his bed. That's so strange, isn't it? And so the pastor said, well, not strange at all, really. He was simply reaching out to his best friend and talking to him because his best friend was really there. And that's what prayer is all about. It's reaching out to our best friend. Jesus prayed regularly. He talked to God just like it was his friend. He prayed sensibly with, with common sense. He prayed confidently. And so should we. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you for all of your goodness to us. Thank you for the way you walk with us. And you talk with us. And you tell us, we are your own. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us to recognize that you are our best friend. And we need to talk to you in like manner. Lord, I know you will answer. We pray now today that you would help us in our walk with you. This whole area of prayer for some of us is very new. Some of us have been at it so long that we've forgotten how to talk with common sense to you. But Lord, we know you hear us. And even if our prayers don't seem like they're very coherent, Lord, you know the intents of our hearts. Speak to us and through us as we talk with you and we walk with you daily. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Now there's a little chorus that some of you will know. I hope some of you will know. It's written in your, your bulletin and it's just got four lines to it. Does everybody know God answers prayer in the morning? Joel, Josh, don't know that. Oh my, it's been around for death, no, centuries, actually. But we're going to learn it together. It's a really simple little course. And Linda this morning, you know, she just touches the ivories. And lo and behold, she knows the music. She didn't have the music, but she learned it this morning. So, learned it from you. Well, yeah, but you learned it this morning. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very simple, God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. God answers prayer in the evening. So what? Keep your heart in tune with him. Let's try it. I'm going to say it through for you, okay? Uh, my wife knows it and my daughter knows it, so sing loud. Anybody else? Nobody else. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, here it goes. Give me my starting... God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. God answers prayer in the evening. So keep your heart 
begin to, so somebody does know it. A few of you I can see you singing with. Wonderful. Well, we're going to try it. Let's sing it a couple of times until we get the kind of nuances of it. Let's try it. God answers prayer in the morning. God answers at noon. God answers prayer in the evening. So keep your heart in tune. God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at God answers prayer in the evening, so keep your heart in tune. I'm going to give you the opportunity to worship the Lord with your giving. God bless you as you give. Thank you, Amen. for the way you supply our every need. And you certainly did this past week. We thank you for your generous gifts and ask, Lord, that you'd receive our gifts in return. Use both for the ongoing work of your kingdom, both here at home and around the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, the prayer requests are on the back of your bulletin. And if you have one, um, then you should take the time to, uh, that's reminding me that it's almost 12. <laughs> uh, that, uh, remember those requests, we will give an opportunity in the midst of our prayer to, uh, to pray. Let us go to the Lord in prayer as a people of God. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you. You know, we know full well, Lord, that you are always there with us, touching our lives, changing us, bringing us along the walk that we have that's uniquely ours each day. We ask, Lord, for the needs that are listening. We pray, Lord, for George Braithwaite. We pray for Ter Terry and Bob and, and uh, Robert and Ray and Sophia Dawn and Joyce and Rob Patterson and Bob Scott, Stan, Sergeant, Morgan Ward. Florence and Nick. Lord, we pray that right now as we are thinking of them, that you will visit them wherever they may be, in their hospital rooms or, or whether they be in, in home, in, in, at home, we pray, Lord, that you'd be with them. We think, Lord, of all of those who 
are in seniors' homes. We think Lord of Rita and Audrey, Dawn and Donna, Norma. And we ask, Lord, that you would visit them at this moment. Would you be with them? Would you encourage them? We ask, Lord, that you would let them know that you care for them and that they are not alone. We ask now that your spirit will be with them. We think of those that are close to us, some that we pray for every day. And Lord, as we pause at this time to bring our own personal requests to you, in your mercy, O oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we think of the fact that our nation as a nation will be going to the polls very shortly. Oh, we pray, Lord, for the wisdom that only you can give, the direction that only you can give, the help and the wisdom that only you can give. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring to power that one or those ones which would best take care of our country and give leadership that is ordered of you. We also, Lord, want to pray for those who give us leadership in the provincial and municipal areas, i.e. our communities. We ask, Lord, that in every case that you would give them wisdom and grace to do their jobs and do it for the good of the people they serve. Lord, we ask now that you would go with us, that you'd bless our lives in everything that we do, that you'd give us a week filled with your blessing and with your presence in us, with your peace and your joy and your love. Through Christ our Lord who taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we close the service this morning, we're going to sing number 338, Let All Things Now Living. Sun in its 
should be voicing our love and rejoicing with glad adoration. Our song let us raise till all things now living unite in thanksgiving to God in the heart. Hosanna and praise. I trust you will remember the um, uh, the bake sale this coming Friday, and if you can contribute anything, I'm afraid I'm just going to have to buy. But if you contribute to anything, uh, it would be appreciated, and uh, thank you very much in advance. We're glad to have our visitors with us. Make sure you make them feel right at home. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are.
Well, good morning. We're going to start on time, or close to it. Um, Hazel's going to come and give us the opening announcements, and uh, I don't think there's any birthdays. If there is, please let me know, because I don't have it down on my, on my list to get you a card. All right, Hazel. come now and lead us in that course that's on your insert uh, in your bulletin. Blessed be your name. Good morning everyone. Welcome to worship. Please uh, stand with me and uh, sing through this course.
ones, for the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. From his dwelling, he watches all of us who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of us all considers everything we do. The eyes of the Lord are on those who worship him. We wait in hope for you, Lord. You are our help and our shield. May your unfailing love rest on us, O Lord, for we have placed our hope in you. Our opening hymn is number 103, the first three verses of 103. O Lord, thou art my God and King. Gracious God, how good it is to be here today. 
to trust you one more day in order that we may walk in the fullness of all that you have for us. Lord, we ask now that you would guide us in our worship, bless us in all we do, and in all we say, that it will bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we pray that you'd forgive our sins, cleanse us from everything we've done wrong in order that we might walk in the newness of life that you've promised us. Through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Okay, we're not gonna sing a children's song until we have the children up here. So all the kids are coming up. We will sing what was the number? Six seven four. Six seven four. You can turn to it uh, while we have the kids come up. Okay, 
Well, today I, we're going to be talking about, the parents and I, and, and I are going to be talking about faith, or the other word for faith is trust. Do you trust your parents? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. You know, they're not sure if you trust me, but trust your parents. Well, that's good. That's good. You trust your, your, so when your dad says to you, I want to give you something, you trust him to give you something? No. You guys not even here to defend yourself. It just so happens that I have to give away two $5 bills today. So two children will get a $5 bill. And the rest won't. And the rest won't. We automatically eliminate those that said, no, they didn't trust me, they didn't trust that. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to think about it. Think about it. I've got two numbers in my mind. Okay? Two numbers. So that eliminates one to ten. So number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, that's ten, isn't it? And I've got two numbers in my mind. You look quite perplexed here. <laughs> it's not that bad. Got two numbers in my mind, and and the numbers are from one to ten. So, Milton, give me a number that you like, one to ten. That's one. One. Okay. What's the number you like best? Ten. Wow. One experience <laughs> in the same family. What's the your favorite number? 10, 2. You're both going to go 10. All right, Eric? 2. What's your figure? 8. Very good. 5. And what about, what, well, would he know numbers? No. Okay, well, then we won't bother with that. Well, you know what? There's two of you, and you have to be one girl and one boy, and you're right on the money on both of them. You too. Pardon? What number is it like? Oh, well, that's far. You guys were hit, hit right on the head. Those were the two numbers I had in my brain. What was your number? Five. Five. And? There you go. It's, it's five and seven. You're the two closest one. So, there's a $5 bill for you. $5 bill for you. Now, did you trust me to really give you some money? Did you? Did the rest of you? You'll have to go and talk to these boys about this, this boy and this girl, and letting Bella and uh, and Caleb, uh, and maybe they'll take you out for some ice cream after church. How's that? <laughs> All right. You know that's what we do. Is you know we we have to learn to trust that God is going to give us what we need. As a matter of fact, sometimes God gives you what you want. Did you know that? And, and you know, I have a scripture for that. No good thing with God will withhold from those who walk with Him. Isn't that an amazing verse? No good thing will He withhold from those who walk with Him. 
That's a verse I learned when I was about your age. I might have been, I might have been seven. And uh, yeah, anyway, I want to pray with you as you go down to Children's Church and ask the Lord to be with you. All right? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for our boys and girls. And Lord, I pray that as we grow older, rather than less trust, may we trust you more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So it's a good thing to come every Sunday? Yeah. Could have been any one of you or two of you. We're going to do that again some Sunday. <laughs> okay? All right. And these guys won't be allowed to play. That will be the others. All right? Well, you enjoy yourself down at Children's Church. I wish I had more fives, but uh, I got somebody even to break a ten for me so I'd be able to do that this morning. Because <laughs> all I had was uh, tens, a uh, ten and, and twenties. Actually, I lied. I have a 52 that my wife gave me. So are we going to play this with the adults then? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No, it's just the kids. Uh, sorry. you got to be a kid. That's the, that's the, the prerequisite. All right. Um, well, today we're going to pray the prayer together, listening to God's word. Let's say it together. Today, O oh God, we thank you for your hovering presence. We pray that you will help us trust you no matter what. Give us the strength and grace to serve you with all our hearts so that our efforts will bring many friends and neighbors to you. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Linda, one of our elders, as well as our, our uh, music director, to come and, uh, and read from Hebrews chapter 11 through to 12 and also part of 13. Do you have faith I can read this little print? Uh, what? Yeah, little I do. Print. By faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became 
righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father, because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. very much. I've intended my message, Where's the Magic? A number of years ago, I had someone in my church who came to me after I'd been there for, oh, quite a while, and um, said to me, you know, our last minister used to do magic tricks. There's no magic. Where's the magic? And I said, well, we'll have it in two weeks because I have someone coming who is a close friend of mine who happens to be a gospel magician. And he said to me, as she said to me, yeah, okay, fine. Well, Blaine McLeod is a very close friend of mine and we worked together in the Canadian Bible Society and this was after I was there, said to me, uh, so what kind of tricks do you want me to do? I said, blow them away. Now, Blaine has a dummy. You know what a dummy is, eh? Do you remember those? Okay, he has a dummy, and he named it after me, Philippe. When we were working together in the Bible Society, he had already one dummy, but he had a second dummy who was a monkey who could talk, of course, and his name was Philippe. That particular Sunday, he used Philippe. And, um, and, uh, and told the story of Zacchaeus. And, uh, but while doing that, he said to all the kids, I have a trick I want to show you. And um, so he put down a, I think he put down a $10 bill. He's richer than me. And so he put down a $10 bill and, uh, and he made it disappear. And all the kids were marveled at that. And he said, he said, well, I'm going to make, I said to him, I said, that's, that's not much of a trick if you can't make it reappear. And so that's what he did. He made it reappear. And so the lady said, well, where's the magic? I said, that was, he did five magic tricks this morning. And she said, well, yeah, I can make money disappear too. 
And I'm sure all, we, all of us, if I asked you, if, if you wanted a $5 bill, you could make it disappear as well, couldn't you? In your pocket, or better still, spend it right on the spot or close by. Well, this morning, I'm asking the question, in the context of faith, where's the magic? Billy Joel, who was an old boy from the Deep South, stopped by a convenience store, and he ran into an old friend, an old buddy of his from the hood, named Ricardo. And uh, Billy Joel, when no one was looking, stole three candy bars from the store. Walking out of the store, he turned to Ricardo and bragged, did you see what this old southern boy did? Stole three candy bars and no one noticed. Pretty slick, eh? And Ricardo said, was not impressed, said, that's nothing. Let's go back into that store and I will show you slick. And so they went back into the store and, uh, and uh, he walks up to the clerk and he says to the clerk, I want to show, do you think you'd like to see a magic trick, a real magic trick? And the clerk says, well, I guess. And so Ricardo says, well, give me a candy bar. And so he took the candy bar, unwrapped it, and ate the whole thing in front of the clerk. And, and he says to the clerk, give me a second one. So the clerk handed him another one. He ate the whole second one. And then finally the clerk, he says to the clerk, well, I need a third one to make this magic work. And so with that, the guy handed him a, a, a candy bar. He unwrapped it and put it in his mouth and ate the whole thing. And so the clerk says, that's it? That's the trick? And Ricardo responded, Check my friend's pocket. All three bars are there. A good magic trick, wasn't it? If you don't disregard, if you disregard the ethics. Have you ever been in a service and said, I'd like to see some magic today. And I'm not talking about the slip of the hand or, 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 or that. I'm talking about real magic. Because, you know, I remember sitting in a service one time and and, and it was the same old service, or so it seemed. And I thought to myself, you know, it'd be really nice if the preacher could do something magical. Right about now. He'd probably wake up the whole congregation. Well, the fact is that, that I'm not going to be doing any magic tricks, although I did make two $5 bills disappear pretty fast. Uh, I know that you don't come to worship expecting a magic show with rabbits that appear out of nowhere. You may wish that once in a while that would happen in a service. It will happen unless my bl friend Blaine comes from Calgary um, and does that. And, and I've suggested that he should. But I, I, I do think that as a people of God, we should come expecting something to happen. Whether that something is in us or someone else. Because that's what God's work is. The 11th chapter, and I love the 11th chapter of, the, of uh, Hebrews. I really do. I've preached on it many times, and I'm going to preach on it many more times. But the fact is that here is a passage which you might say has a little bit of magic. The writer seeks to define the meaning of faith. And of course, it's a pretty straightforward one. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, I learned it in the King James Version. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. What a sick, ununderstandable definition. It's awful. Why? Because I don't understand it, do you? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, um, the NIV does a little bit better job of it. It says, our faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Still woolly? I agree. It's still woolly. But I, I like it in the, in the message because it makes sense to me. It says, the writer, after he seeks to define it, the, the interpreter does a much better job of the message. He says, he begins, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the insurance, the insurance of what we do not see. That makes a little more sense. We know what insurance is. Actually, the word is assurance. But in the Greek, the word is the same. Insurance and assurance. So anybody that, that has always has, has insurance knows that it comes with a few provisos. Here I am to say this morning, there are no provisos except that God wants us as his people to trust him no matter what. Because he will never leave you, the Bible says, nor will he forsake us. Never once have I ever felt that God forsook me. I did him, but he never did me. Faith is insurance, the assurance of what we hope for. And the, and the actual guarantee that God will do what he promised to do when you first met him. He will keep you, he will sustain you, and he'll be there for you. Why? Because when we were baptized, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt within us. Now think of that for a moment. That's a little less abstract. And fortunately, the writer of Hebrews doesn't stop there, the chapter of chapter 11. We don't even know who wrote uh, Hebrews. Some people say it was a scribe of Paul, maybe. Some people have a few of the other apostles that they sprinkle with their names, but it doesn't say. What it does say is that he was writing to he the Hebrew people of his day. And the same applies to us today. For this writer takes us on to kind of describe what the various uh, people of faith did in the Old Testament when they didn't even know Jesus was going to come. And yet they trusted God to clean up their sin and renew them and walk with them no matter what they went through. And so we start off in verse 6. For without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And there's the key, folks. And he rewards those that seek him. No, the word is diligently. Do you know what? You can't translate that word in any other way from the Greek to the English language. It's diligent. And what do we mean by that? Anybody? What do we mean by the word diligent? It will be done. It will be done. Right on the money. It will be done. And we've got to understand that. That's the joy of being a believer in Christ. Is that you and I are assured, assured 
that what we ask of God, he will do. And you may say, uh, I've asked lots of things of God, and he didn't uh, answer the prayer. He may not have answered it in the way that we thought he should, but he will answer that prayer, believe me. I've lived 67 years, and I kind of have challenged him on a, in a few times, asking him something that was beyond what I could have thought God could ever do. And God has come through beyond what I could have imagined or thought. That's the beauty of how God works, and that's the magic of chapter 11, because he gives us some interesting characters by being able offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Cain killed his brother. And yet God forgave him for that and kept his hand on him the whole time by putting a mark on him. How would you like that as, as a servant of the Lord? To have a mark on you. <laughs> Not me. I don't, I don't want anybody to know necessarily that God has his hand on me because it may be at a time when I least expect it and he's going to try to use me to reach somebody else. And I'm not sure that I'll be able to stand up to the uh, scrutiny. But I love what, what, what the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 goes on to say. By faith Enoch, he never died. He went straight up. And some of us may be in that same uh, posi position. We will, when, when Jesus Christ comes for his church, we will go up, the Bible says, and meet him in the air. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen, but folks, most of the prophecies look like they've happened. Israel, is that still a nation? <clears throat> and so all of us need to come to the understanding that Jesus could come at any time. Now, I come from Pentecostal roots, and my mother used to say to me, my mother was quite a good teacher. She left an indelible impression upon my life, to say the least. She used to say to me, and if you're in a show, or you're at a dance, or you're having a little bit to drink, God, Jesus will leave you behind. And I used to think, what kind of a God is that? So I blow it once. He knew I was going to blow it. He didn't have to come at that very second. But then as I got older, I became a Presbyterian. And God's grace is immeasurable, okay? Understand that. God's grace is immeasurable. That's the first wonderful thing about faith and trust in Christ. But not only that, when we were baptized, Holy Spirit comes right in and takes over. And sometimes it feels like he's not taken over enough <laughs> when we fail. I failed so many times that, uh, and I think, how could God forgive me again for doing the same thing wrong? Now, I know none of you ever sin the same way ten times in a week. But, but I have. And I'm transparent enough to admit that. <laughs> the writer here says, he goes on to say, Enoch never even died. But God found a way to take him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And then in the next verse, of course, it defines in very clear terms that you and I are not only called to trust God, but beyond that, we have to exercise our faith on a daily basis. 
And there are some mornings I often think of that little prayer that I've used a couple of times, or maybe maybe only once, but but it bears repeating. Lord, I thank you that you've sustained me so far today. I haven't cussed. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't lost my cool. But I'm going to get out of bed now, and so I don't know what the future could hold. And you know, some of us are there. While we're getting up in the morning, everything's fine. Well, this morning, it didn't go fine for me. I want to share my experience. It wasn't a nice one. I have a smoothie most Sunday mornings. As a matter of fact, let me rephrase that. I have a smoothie every Sunday morning because I find that it keeps me going. And a piece of toast and, of course, a coffee, which has, is black. And I like my coffee uh, dark roast. So I like, them, I like it to be black. Forget putting this muddying stuff in it. I don't do that. So anyway, I've done it for almost all of my adult life. And so anyways, here I am. And I knocked over the shake. Now we have a marble, huge marble uh, uh, countertop. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I thought, there is a solution here. And it was the Lord that gave it to me because I wouldn't have thought about it myself. But I went into the bathroom <laughs> and I took the bathroom squeegee and I poured it all into my glass off the edge of the counter. And I got almost all of it. And it was good, just as good as it should have been. Well, there's a lot of you who wouldn't have done that, but it was an answer to prayer. Because I did say, what am I going to do now? And then I thought of it. So it must have been God. Well, the fact is that, that the writer of Hebrews goes on. It's a stirring chapter because you see, he says, by faith Noah started building an ark on dry land for 26 years, folks. I don't know about you, but after about the first year, I would have thrown in the towel. Not because I couldn't do it, although nobody was building arcs back then, let alone one that's going to sail and going to stay afloat. But Noah and his family stuck it in there. I'm sure Mrs. Noah probably made the, the, the parging that went between the, the cracks and, and, and the women probably slapped all kinds of pieces of... of, of, of uh, of uh, linen or whatever into those holes so they'd stay and the boat would float. And the men, well, they were the, they were the, uh, well, the muscle, the grunt work, if you will, uh, of the whole thing. And they moved around. And, and Noah at the time was like, I don't know, over 300 years old. Wasn't it 400 years old? He'd already reached that point. And God calls him to build this ark. An ark? Would you not have asked God to give, give a clear definition? And so God said, well, it's going to be X number of, of uh, furlongs long and all that. And it's all in the scriptures. You can read about it. But the point was, and you want me to build an ark? Like, folks, and trust me to build it so well that it'll float and we're nowhere near water and all my neighbors, well my neighbors are going to think I'm crazy in my old age. Wouldn't you have thought that? Noah did it 
built the ark and saved a remnant of people who were given over to God. By faith, Noah. When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Jesus hadn't come now, but yet. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And even though he did not know where he was going, his faith kept him on the path that God wanted him to build. For he was looking forward to the city whose foundation and whose architect and builder was God. So this was a, an exciting time. I, I, this is an amazing thing because only our creator God could perform these acts of magic and work through people. So faith is belief in God, our past, our present, our future, not simply that God exists, but that he is present here and now, working all things out for our good. Writer Max Lucado, I don't know if any of you have ever read his stuff, but he's a great writer, tells us spending a week in Brazil, visiting the interior there. And if you've ever been to Brazil, I have not been to Brazil, but I've been to Argentina, it's almost the same. But anyways, he was being uh, piloted around by an old bush pilot who he'd known years before, a longtime friend. And he flew to every remote town in this four-seater plane. That plane wasn't in that good a shape, uh, uh, Lucado says. Wilbur and Orville would have had a sturdier plane. But... The fact is that uh, he couldn't get comfortable in that stupid plane. He, felt fe he kept confessing to the pilot, his old friend, that they were going to crash at any minute. He shifted around, gripped his seat as if that would help, and finally the pilot had seen enough. Looking over at Lucado, shouting over the roar of the engines, he said, We won't face anything that I can't handle. So you might as well trust me to fly the plane and enjoy the ride. Beloved, that's what God says to you and to me. There's nothing that you will face and I will face that, can't, that our God can't handle. So might as well sit back, trust him to fly our plane through life. That, my friends, is faith. That's the kind of faith that God wants from us. Blind trust that Hebrews is describing. And God is saying to us, trust me no matter what you're going through. I don't know why I'm preaching this message, but I thought it'd be a good one because it's so good that I've got another week. I've never preached a two-part Sunday since I've been here, but you're going to get an extension next Sunday. And it's even better than this one. So here we are. Here's... Here's Max Lucado who learned something from an old bush pilot in a pretty shaky plane. The second thing I want to leave with you is a woman named Edna Butterfield, I'm almost done, tells of her husband Ron, who taught a class of mentally challenged teenagers. 
he challenged his, his students' capabilities by saying to them that they were, their, they were ordered of God and that he was their strength and he was their teacher. He taught them to accomplish all kinds of marvelous things. He taught them to play chess. Tough game, even for people who are, well, supposedly have all their marbles. Restored furniture, repaired electric appliances. And a young man in his class, only a teenager, named Bobby, learned to believe in his gifts given to him of God. So one day, he brings in a broken toaster to fix. Into the classroom, he's carrying this broken toaster under one arm and a half loaf of bread in the other. That's faith. Because you've got to have faith if you really believe that this toaster is ever going to work. You've got to test it, don't you? And so can we. Whatever we're doing. And anyway, the young man sat there with the teacher. Ron, the teacher, applauded him. And that's the confidence we need. If we're going to fix a toaster, bring bread to prove it really works. Conclusion? That's the joy of... I want to mention one more thing about, about Abraham. <laughs> I like the translation in the message again. I didn't bring it, but I will next week, so we're going to be reading it from two different vantage points. But I, but I love this part. By faith, Abraham... No, that's not the one I wanted to say. That's, the, that's next week's. This is the one that, that makes, that is funny. All these things, people were still living by faith. All these people were still li people living by faith when, he, when they died. But Abraham, even though he was an old man, this is out of the, I, I just took, did a full copy of it. Even though he was an old man, and Sarah herself was 89 years old, God enabled them to become a father and a mother because he considered him faithful who he had made a promise to. And so from this one man, listen to this now, who was as good as dead, <laughs> it goes on because in the message. It reads, he was as good as dead, his loins were all shriveled up. That's what it says. I'm not kidding you. You can read it next week because I'll bring my message next week. His loins were all shriveled up. Came descendants too numerous to count as the sands in the sky, as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Because God produced two different groups of people, the Jews and the Arabs. But the Arabs came first and look at their population. Billions of people all over the world are of Arab descent. A.B. Baby did well. Considering he was a man whose loins were all shriveled up. That's what it says. I'm, I'm going to show it to you next week. <laughs> Truth be true. Faith in God is like that. Don't bring a toaster in for repairs if you don't have faith to bring some bread along. Faith is the belief that not only does God exist... But regardless of the circumstances, he cares enough for us to provide any request that we make of him. Now, I know you might quibble with that, and I understand that, but I'm here to tell you that no matter what your prayer is, 
I'm here to declare, based on the Word of God, that you can ask anything of God in His name, believing that it will be done, and it will be done. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your Word. Thank you for your holiness and your care for us. Lord, I thank you for your magic because you created something out of nothing. No magician has ever been able to do that. And you have done that consistently over the generations since that time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord, today that if any one of us don't know you, I'm so glad that your word and the bulletin has a, a four simple steps that all of us can take. And then pray the prayer of faith and we become your child. What a joy. What a guarantee and assurance that you will be with us no matter what. Let it happen in each one of us today. In Christ's name we ask. This time we're going to give you the Lord, oh, we're, we're going to sing a song. Number 675, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And that was written by Tommy Dorsey. And I always like to tell this story. I don't know if I told it here. I did at the last church at the at, uh, Snow Road today. But Tommy Dorsey was about 40 years old and he was going to do a gig in another city, actually Detroit. And his wife was sick. And so he asked her mother if she would come over and take care of her while he was away on this weekend gig. His wife begged him not to go. But he went anyway because he had to put food on the table. And so he did. And while he was away, the, the evening before he came back home, she had a heart attack and died instantly. And Tommy Dorsey came home and he cried and he cried all night that evening couldn't believe that, that his wife was gone. And with that, he wrote this song. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me home. by heart because I've sung it many times.
opportunity to worship the Lord. city of your people. Use both gift and giver for the ongoing work of your kingdom, both here at home and around the world. Through Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to close up the service, of course, with the people's prayer, the prayer of the people. And there are a number of requests here. You may have one or two or maybe a number. We'll give time for that in, in quietness during the prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for all those that are in hospital. We thank you for each one that's come today. And maybe there's one here, or maybe more, who have a need that they need answered. Lord, answer that prayer right now. We think of others. We think of, of uh, George and Terry hearing very favorable news with regards to Terry, Bob, Robert, Ray, Sophia Dawn. Joyce, Rob, Bob, Stan, Morgan, Florence, and Nick. Lord, we pray for them today, and we ask you to visit them today. May they know that the people of God are praying for them, and may they also know that the presence of God is with them. Lord, we have requests that we have on our minds and hearts, ones that maybe we've been praying for a while. And Lord, this morning as we bring them to you, just don't only hear our prayer, but may you answer our prayer. Lord, we pray today for our nation as we face an election in just a few short months, we ask, Lord, that you give wisdom to the electorate and give wisdom to those who, who uh, rule over us. 
We ask, Lord, that you'd give them wisdom beyond themselves because heaven knows it's necessary in this day and age in which we live. Guide each one. Through Christ our Lord, we pray it. Amen. As we close the service, I'm going to ask you to take your hymn books and turn with me to number 64. This is more like a prayer, but it's a good one. Good morning. We've got a lopsided church again. It's always nice to see, though the regulars all together, at least there's a unity of heart, or it appears that way anyway. We're glad to see each one of you here this morning, glad to have friends visiting with us, and um, uh, I'm going to ask uh, which did I, uh, Hazel to come and give us the announcements. Great. Thank you, uh, Hazel. Uh, I'm going to ask Jeff. There's a little insert in your bulletin. Uh, your faith, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. I've asked Joel if you would help us te or teach us that course because it's a very, it's a really good one. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you could all uh, stand and we will open up worship with the song Your Love, O Lord. Your faithfulness 
stretches to the sky. worship, which is uh, from Psalm 71 in your bulletins, and I will lead you, and as the people of God, you will respond, and the heavier print is for you to respond with. I run for dear life to the Lord. You said, O God, your door is always open. I'll take up the the lute and the tambourine and thank you to the tune of your faithfulness, O God. I'll make music to you with my heart, Holy One of Israel, when I open up in song to you. My rescued life is my song. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We've come together as a people of God, and we are a needy people. 
We're, of course, dealing with this whole immense subject called faith and how it relates to us and how we respond in this day and age. We ask you, Lord, to help us, open our mi- help us to open our minds to your word that we might understand all that you have for us and embrace it. Through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Be assured of this, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us all against all that we have done wrong. Our gathering song is going to be number 298, Glory Be to God the Father, number 298. Glory be to God the Father, glory be to God the Son. Glory be to God the Spirit, and God Almighty, three in one. Glory, 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 eternal ages run. Glory be to God who loved us, washes us from it and sin. Glory to the one who bought us, raised us up to serve and reign. Glory, 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 that once was slain. Glory, blessing, praise eternal, angel choirs their hymns prolong. Honor, riches, power, dominion, echoes all creation. Glory, 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 praises to our God belong. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, when we're going, to, we're going to sing the children's chorus, and of course it's Jesus loves me, this I know, number 373. But before we do, we have Alicia home. It's always nice to have Alicia home, but she's going to play for us. And uh, so we're looking forward to having her. Hey. Thank you. 
me up. Thank you. Alicia, it's nice to have you home. Always nice to have you home, and even nicer when you play for us. It's great. Thank you. Um, one thing that I failed to recognize was that Lois has her 15th great-grandchild was born this week. And so congratulations. I'm going to ask all the kids to come up. I've got a story for you that I shared this morning with uh, mostly the old folk, me. And it's about a little boy. So we're going to do that. If the kids will all come up now. Yeah, we'll sing one verse of Jesus' love. They're about like this big. 
So you have to pick a pile of blueberries, right? Have you picked a pile of blueberries? I didn't pick some, but you've had some, yes. They're really good. They're really, really good. And, uh, and uh, when I was the pastor there, I, uh, they used to always give us blueberries. Every summer, we had piles of blueberries. And they were, you're right, they were really good. So anyway, Sam went out with his mom. And they began picking blueberries. And they were, he was having a great time. Nobody else seemed to be having quite as much fun as he did. He chased the butterfly. Anybody ever chased the butterfly? Try to catch it? Yeah. Yeah, they're neat. Pardon? Yes, you know, I'm sure it does. They're quite infatuated with, with the butterfly. And, and so he did that for a little while. And he got tired of that. And then he played hide and seek with a squirrel. <laughs> I, I never have either, but he played hide and seek with a squirrel. And then something as well as he went, he saw a worm in amongst the plants. So he pulled the worm out of the ground because it was half out. He pulled the worm out and played with it for a little while until he got tired of that to go back to the ground. And then his mother said, We're going to be leaving in about 15 minutes. So he went everywhere. He put a bunch of them covered the bottom of his pail, and he didn't have a very big pail. And then he thought, well, I can't pick enough blueberries to fill it. I know what I'll do. I'll put moss in my pail. And so over those, the bottom blueberries, he put some moss, picked it all apart and put it in. And then he took some blueberries and put them on top, picked them as fast as he could, and put them in on top. He got home. And his mother said, well, that was really good of you to pick those blueberries. I'm going to make you a pie tomorrow. I'll make a big pie, and I'll make you one just your size. And he was so excited about that. Oh, my goodness, he was happy. So the next day, his brother made the pie, and he could see it cooling on the windowsill. And he kept saying to his mom, can I have some now? Can I have some now? Is that what you guys say? No. So anyway, <laughs> uh, he, he, he got it in his pie, he got his, his fork, and he put his fork in the pie, and what do you think was in the pie? You got it? How did you know that? Man, that's amazing. On the top was blueberries, on the bottom was blueberries, and in the middle was moss. <laughs> that's a good question. I think he was just being what, what do you think he was being? Silly. Silly? That's true. He was being silly. What else? You think he was being a bit lazy? He never did it again because it wasn't a very good tasting pie. He could taste the blueberries and it would be awful to have a moss. You're right. So the, what's, the, what's the, the moral of the story? What, what did we learn? Not to put moss in the pie. Good. Right on the money. That's what I thought too. But there might be one more little little lesson that we could learn. Anything? Anybody? Well, how about whatever we do in life, make sure that we do it. Right. Right on the money. Right. Do it right. And that's important for us. We're children of God. Pardon? Or else you'll do it wrong. 
exactly. Well, you guys were great this morning. I tell you, did you like the story? I know Sam. He's never done it since. He never went back and picked blueberries. He was very old. He was about eight, I think, or nine. And he never did it again. But he talks about his story and laughs and tells his kids about the story and laughs. So let's make sure that for Jesus we do every day we do what we do the right way, the best that we can do. Right? And that will not produce Let's pray for our kids. They're the best bunch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our boys and girls. I thank you for their teachers. And I ask you, Lord, to bless them all as they go down to their own children's church this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Heard of wild elephants. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to uh, pray the prayer before, as we prepare our hearts for the message this morning. It's written in your bulletins, and let's say it together as a people of God. Prepare our hearts, O God, as we learn to trust you without hesitation. Help us to hear your voice, obey your purpose in our lives, knowing that living faith is ours to enjoy. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, Tom is coming uh, to read from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. And let's hear the word of the Lord. Faith in what we don't see. The fundamental fact of existence is that, that this trust in God, this faith, is a firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. By faith we see the world called into existence by God's word what we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought. That made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteousness. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over the world and could all over and could not find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those that by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of, of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. As a result, 
Noah became intimate with God. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place, his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised to him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. By faith, the barren Sarah was able to become pregnant. Old woman as she was at the time, because she believed the one who had made the promise would do what he said he would. That's how it happened. From one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. Thank you, Tom. Didn't I tell you? That's what it said in the, in the message. Abraham's shriveled and dead loins. Imagine having that as your uh, legacy after you're dead all this time. But it was. Where's the magic? Last Sunday we talked about the fact that we come to church and why do we come? And uh, I said that, you know, some people hope that maybe that there'd be a little magic in the, uh, in the message or something that would uh, keep us coming back. Well, I, and I responded that uh, this thing called faith should bring us to God's house in expectation of something that is to come. That is the word of God. Well, uh, as a result of last Sunday, Pearl gave me a little, a little uh, four-liner that, uh, that was really good. And so I'm going to use it because it relates to our message. So the village got together to pray for rain. But of all the people that came, only one boy came with an umbrella. <laughs> That's faith. And when you throw a baby in the air, that baby laughs because they know that they will be caught. Hopefully we don't do too much of that. That's trust. When you go to bed, you set your alarm with no assurance that you'll be alive the next morning. That's amazing. But when you see the world suffering as it does, you still get married and have children, and that's love. Well, this morning, that fits in so well, because last week we learned that without faith, if we have no faith, it's impossible to approach, approach God. But the writer of, of uh, Hebrews, whoever he or she is, uh, gave us a really good picture of what faith is in the lives of people. Without faith, it's impossible to approach God. For we must believe that he exists. And everybody will say, almost everybody I've ever met will say to you, yeah, I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He was a good man. But the Bible says, well, faith, it's impossible to even approach God. We must believe that he exists. But more importantly is that he cares enough uh, uh, regarding us to respond to the needs of every one of us, no matter who we may be. As long as we are his children, he will answer prayer. Now, think of that for a moment. 
That really is faith. The well-respected writer, uh, Father Henry Newman, and I love all his writings. As a matter of fact, I had the privilege years ago of meeting him. He was speaking in Toronto. Tells the story of the world-renowned trapeze family known as the Flying Rodleys or Rodleys. I don't know where the emphasis is supposed to go on this name. It's, it's, it's rather unique. But Nguyen got to know them really, really well. He even had the opportunity on several occasions to watch them practice. The leader of the group, who he got to know quite well, told him this story. As a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public may think that I'm a great star, but the real star is Joe. My catcher, he has to be there with split-second precision, grabbing me out of the air. All I do is stretch out my arms and wait for him to catch me. A flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And then he said, I need to trust the catcher to be at the perfect place in my routine. I need to trust him completely. A lot of us fly through life. When we were a little younger, we did more of that flying through life. But uh, especially at a time of crises. But we need to bet he will catch us. The psalmist writes, And God will keep his angel and give charge over thee, lest you... Touch a stone or catch your foot on a stone. He's going to catch us. He's going to catch us on our way down. We must believe that he will catch us because that is what he does. And learning to trust him without reservation, we need to continually open up our hearts and our minds and recognize that it's not enough to believe. But we need to approach him in such a way on a continual basis and believe that he will answer prayer. And like this church has seen some wonderful answered prayer. We thank God for the answered prayer that God has, has given to this congregation. Many of the members of it, I think of Dora especially, and she's here this morning. And, and it was by faith. Not only her faith, but believers together Praying for someone who is a child of God. We need to understand that, that the multiplicity of energy that happens as a result of that brings about results. Why? Because God hears us. He answers prayer. St. James writes, even the demons believe in him and shudder at his name. So the first thing is that our faith must be understood to be something more than just a blind trust, though that's what God wants from us. Blind trust. Trust Him in everything that happens in our lives. But the second thing is that when we trust God, we need to obey Him. It sounds easy enough. But have you ever obeyed Him when it seems rather tough? I have... And there have been times when I haven't, many more times than when I did. That little story of that lazy boy when he went out blueberry picking with his mom. Uh, 
It's it's a wonderful story because it bears the reality that when we approach God and we want something from him, we need to obey him. And that little boy obeyed to a measure, but he didn't do it completely right or he would have harvested a much different pie than he ate and eventually. If there doesn't seem to be much magic in the service, it may be because the praise is mostly moss. Think about that now. The list of heroes that the writer writes about and Tom so wonderfully read about from Hebrews, that writer provides us so much, but every one of those people put their lives on the line. Are we willing to follow Jesus quite that closely? Not only are we to trust, but we're to obey. But the third thing that faith includes is that unshakable trust that sustains us, that keeps us going, if you will. For we will go through life's dark and difficult valleys. All of us will. Different times, different periods in our life, but we all go through them. And they're hard. And they take their toll. But we need to recognize that when we go through the difficult and dark times, as the psalmist says, the valleys seemingly of death, you need to trust no matter what. It's like the man who became very discouraged with his life. As a matter of fact, things had been going from bad to worse. And finally he'd had enough. And he went out and bought a loaf of bread and going to the railway tracks, he laid himself across the tracks, and somebody called the police. And so the policeman rushes to him and says, what do you think you're doing? The man responded, well, I'm waiting for the train to run over me. I've had enough of this world. And the police, just curious, said, but why the loaf of bread? Well, he responded, at the frequency this train runs, I could starve to death while I'm waiting. No one is exempt from feeling discouraged. Nobody is exempt from feeling downtrodden. As a matter of fact, there are times when we may feel we've lost our last friend. But rest assured, faith is the assurance. Remember last Sunday, I talked about the word in the Greek being the same as insurance. Although sometimes insurance can be rather iffy. We have God's assurance that the same one who created us will be the same one that is with us in every battle, in every painful time, in every dark moment we may go through. But there's one last thing that Tom read this morning from, from uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Faith is the promise that every one of us have as the end comes. Abraham describes Hebrews in Hebrews as this come whose foundations and architect and builder is God our creator. Now we don't talk much about heaven anymore. I've probably talked about heaven more in this last little while than I ever have all the rest of my ministry combined. Oh, I, I did preach. I think three times on heaven in my life. 
Uh, but when I come to this passage, it makes me realize that we are walking into a future today, a secular society, and it really is, a post-church era. And we diminish sometimes by not mentioning heaven the most blessed hope that we have as Christians, a forward look and a view and of expectation of heaven. And my people, that is so important for us to understand, is that we don't have, when we face the end, and I have faced it with dozens of people who have been part of my congregations over the years. And, and, and I, I tell you, it's been wonderful to watch. I'll never forget, I went to visit Ivan, of course, passed away not so long ago. And, uh, you know, of course, he'd been an elder in this church. He owned a store in this community, one store that had a wonderful reputation. And he was just a wonderful man to go and visit because he was so positive. I said to him one day, I said, so how long did you own a store? He said, I think it felt like it was. <laughs> and then he laughed. And, uh, and uh, I said, but it was quite a while. He said, you know, I look back on that time in my life. And I probably was able to touch more lives than I could have ever imagined. That's a life well lived. And I had the privilege of, of doing his funeral. And he said to me, you know, uh, just before that, he just said to me the last time we visited, you know, I am looking forward to heaven. I'm not in any hurry to get there, but I am looking forward to heaven. Here's an honest man. Because when we get to that place, when we are facing the end, I'm so glad to be able to report to you that God has a city and a house made just for you that you know nothing about the dimensions. You just know that it's, it's in the future. And that's the hope that we have, that we have a future after death, that we no longer are looking to the reality of, of the fact that, well, is this the end? But we have this hope because we've placed our trust in the living Christ who paid for us and then tells us that we've got, he's going to prepare a home for us just for us. Created for us. Because we are his children and we place his trust in him. Do you believe in God? We all respond and of course, especially during communion, we have a statement of faith that we recite Apostles' Creed, we call it. Yes, of course we believe in God. Do we believe in the promises of God? And also in this Son, Jesus Christ, who made many of those promises. That God's Holy Spirit will be with us no matter what we go through. Yeah, we can, we, we can go that far. But let me go one step further. Because here's the crooks of the message. Regardless of the obstacles. Regardless of the pain. Regardless of, or, or in the, our families, no matter what we go through, I'm here to tell you and guarantee you according to God's word that this same creator who made us, the same creator who recreated us through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross is the same creator that through his son Jesus Christ will welcome us with open arms when we cross that threshold from this life to the next and receive us.
unto himself. Good news, that's faith. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word. It is life, it is health, and it is our peace and our future. We ask you, Lord, that you will guide us as a people of God, that we would walk in newness of life. Forgive us our sins, Lord, because we want to serve you. And may we walk with you, not only when it's easy, but when it's hard. Knowing full well that your Holy Spirit will sustain us, will keep us. And if we fall, or when we fall, you will be there to catch us so that we may walk with you, not only on this side, but look forward to heaven after our lives are lived. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Turn in your hymn books to number 677. My faith looks up to you. Number 677.
God in Jesus fully known, Creator, Word, and Spirit one. Amen. Thank you, O Lord, for the privilege of being able to give back a portion of what you have so generously given to us. Bless and receive every gift and every giver for the ongoing work of your kingdom, both here at home and around the world. Through Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to go to the uh, pastoral prayer. And um, we also want to add to that list um, Mrs. Neely. She's not doing well, and uh, she's staying with her son. I understand in the area, but she is not doing well, and so let's remember her in prayer. There are probably many other requests, but as we go to the Lord in prayer, let's believe that not only does it exist, but he answers prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you this morning, and we bring to you all of these needs. We think of Mrs. Neeling, and ask, Lord, that you would touch her body for George and Terry, for Bob and Robert and Ray, for Sophia Dawn, for Joyce Nesbitt, for Rob and Bob and Stan and Morgan and Florence and Nick. And Lord, we ask that this morning, even as we are praying, that you will visit them by your spirit. May they know that we are caring for them through prayer. And Lord, may we also take the time to visit them, for they need our, our care and love. We think, Lord, of those who are shut-ins. We think of those in retirement homes, Rita and Norma, Audrey, Dawn, and Donna. We ask, Lord, for each one of them and ask that you would be with them, that you'd give them strength, that daily may they know that we are thinking of them, and more than that, that you are there with them by your spirit. Lord, we have needs within our own lives. And in your mercy, as we bring these prayers to you, hear our prayer and answer. And now, Lord, as we Prepare to go from this place. We ask you, Lord, to bless us in all that we do, in all that we say. Through Christ our Lord, we ask it. Amen. As we close our service this morning, I want us to turn to number 681. We will sing the first and the last verses. 681. <coughs>
now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Like salvation for the free, to every strand that ocean waves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. We're going to close our service as the closer. Just singing that little chorus on 294. If you need, you don't need the words, but you may need the music. Uh, it's just one word, hallelujah, and we're going to close our service with that before the nation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And now go, and may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Spirit, rest on each one of your lives, that your faith may grow, and that your obedience may be long. Amen.